The only way to get what you want is to become human yourself. Can you do that? Oh, my dear sweet child, that's what I do. Oh, lighten up, Cogsworth, and let nature take its course. It's obvious there's a spark between them. Yes, but there's no harm in fanning the flames, you know. W, w Radio, your information Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 523, and I'm here once again not only to help you have the best possible vacation experience when you go to the parks or a cruise, but I also want to bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are, not just with the podcast, but with my videos, live broadcasts on Facebook every Wednesday night, my books, audio tours, special events, and group cruises. You can find everything over at www.radio.com. And please come join the community and the family over at www.radio.com slash community. I'm excited to welcome back to the show my friend Ashley Eckstein. You might know her as the voice of Ahsoka Tano from Star Wars, the creator of Her Universe, and now the author of a new book, It's Your Universe, you have the power to make it happen. We'll discuss her fascinating and inspiring journey from Walt Disney World cast member to her iconic role in Star Wars, the story behind her universe, as well as her new book and how it might help you live the life you dream. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show. I'll have more information about upcoming special events, meets of the month, your voicemails, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. come true more often than you might realize. And I don't just mean dreams of meeting a prince or Princess Charming, becoming a doctor, Disney making a great Spider-Man movie, I love you Kevin Feige and Tom Holland, or the Giants winning a Super Bowl. I mean dreams that we have as kids. The specifics might be different, but at our core, I think it's to be able to do what we love every day, and maybe, just maybe, even make the world a little bit of a better place along the way. And today, I'm joined by someone who's a shining example of not just only dreams coming true, but having a positive and more importantly, inspiring impact on others as well. She is Ashley Eckstein, who is not only the voice of one of the strongest characters in the Star Wars universe, 
but who started more than a company, but really a, a seismic transformation in women's fan fashion, and one that, that allows fans from all over the world to warmly embrace their geekdom. Ashley, it has been way too long since we spoke, but I want to welcome you, actually welcome you back to the show. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Lou, and thank you for the wonderful introduction. It's my pleasure. And, and you know, this is actually, we were saying before we started recording, this is not the first time we've spoken, and I looked back to see when it was. We've known each other for more than 10 years. I first interviewed back in 2010 and Star at Star Wars Weekends, and you were so warm and so friendly then and every time that we've met. So I'm very excited for this new chapter, intentional pun, um, in your life and, <laughs> and thrilled to be able to chat with you this morning. Oh, goodness. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, you know, it's it's awesome to be talking to you today, especially after, you know, uh, knowing each other as long as we have. And um, I actually met you before I even launched my company, Her Universe, um, at Star Wars Weekends, just as the voice of Ahsoka. So I probably even talked to you about my crazy ideas of wanting to do fashion for fangirls. And I appreciate you um, always being so supportive. Oh, well, thank you. This this is great. And I'm super excited to to. Uh, talk about what you've been doing and and maybe even a little bit of, of what's next. But before we get to what's new with you, I want to go back for maybe the people who don't know, because I know that you're a huge Disney fan now, and we'll get to a little bit more of that. But I want to go back a few years and, and tell me, what were some of your earliest Disney memories growing up? Like, were you a, a Disney fan as a little girl? Oh, yes. Yes. I have been a Disney fan. Um Really, ever since, I would say, it started when I was about 18 months old. And and in fact, it goes further back than that. I think if um, I got my DNA tested through like 23andMe <laughs> or something, I would have a Disney chromosome <laughs> in my in my DNA. But um, it, it actually started back with my parents. Um, they went to Disney World on their honeymoon, and um, they actually made a wish while they were on their honeymoon and they wished that my dad would get a job for Disney world and that they would move um, to Orlando and start a family and raise their kids, um, you know, raise their kids Disney. And that's exactly what they did. And within, you know, three years of making that wish, my dad became a meat and seafood buyer for the Walt Disney world resort. And, um, I was 18 months old when um, my dad started his job. And so I was literally raised Disney. Uh, and so, I mean, so many of my firsts as a kid were at Disney World. I, I, I met Santa Claus for the first time. <laughs> I, um, I learned to swim at Disney World. That's actually a little like Brian for those that, you know, go way back. Um, they had swimming lessons for cast members' families. You know, I, I learned so many things and had so many firsts at Disney World. And so it's literally, a, a Disney is a part of me. It's a part of my soul. And it's a part of your soul and your heritage and your – so it's even part of your family that didn't know they were going to be part of this dream that your dad had because people may or may not know that your husband is David Eckstein. Now, for those of you who are not necessarily familiar with that name, he may or may not have been the 2006 Major League Baseball MVP, two-time World Series champs for the Angels and Cardinals. 
tell us when you met him, you you I, I get the sense that maybe you brought him into the Disney fold, because I remember some of our conversations when we first met, um, not just about your wedding, but about your home. Uh, yes, yes. You know, David, um, he grew up actually in Sanford, Florida, uh, which for, for those not familiar with Central Florida, it's just, um, you know, it's it's a town just north of Orlando. So, um, you know, we grew up, I, I grew up down by Disney, he grew up in Sanford. So we grew up about 35 minutes apart. And, you know, his family loved Disney as well. You know, they were definitely a Disney family, but, you know, he didn't have a cast member as a parent. So he only went about once a year versus I, you know, my dad had a silver pass. So we went all the time, like any free chance we got, we, you know, we went to the park. Um, but when, when I met David, uh, I had told him, you know, about my obsession with Disney, about my dream. You know, when I knew that we were going to get married, I said, well, sorry, I've had a childhood dream of, you know, having a, my wedding reception at Disney. Um, and you know, I'm so grateful he just went with it and, you know, said, said, sure, you know, whatever you like. And, um, I, I'm definitely the bigger fan than him, but he has, he's definitely kind of bought into the Disney way of life and he really enjoys it. Now we have annual passes and, you know, um, any free chance we get really, uh, we often spend our birthdays at Disney and our anniversaries at Disney and he proposed at Disney and I'll, I'll all the all the Disney things. And yes, our dining room in our house is transformed into Wonderland. And so he <laughs> he allowed that. So he <laughs> So going back to your role with the company, how when and and why did you join the company as a cast member first? You know, my journey as a cast member started when I was 16 years old. Um you know, having a parent that was a Disney cast member, I, I wanted to be just like my dad. It was my dream to work for Disney as well. And so, um, and I wanted to be in entertainment. So, um, it, it turned out it was like the best 16th birthday present is that they were having auditions to be in entertainment for Disney on my 16th birthday. So that's actually what I wanted. I didn't want a car. I didn't want any of the normal <laughs> things that a 16 year old would want. I wanted to be a Disney cast. You member. wanted a job. You wanted a job for your birthday. <laughs> yes. I did. I did. And, and that's what I got. I actually went and, and auditioned and, and thankfully I, I did kind of pass the audition and they let me know that, um, that I would be hired. And, you know, then I had to go through all the things that you do like traditions and, and everything. But, um, I, I, yeah, I became a Disney cast member on my birthday and that's what I did. I worked in entertainment, uh, you know, as a, as a, character attendant for a while. And, um, and then I eventually became a dancer and the, or a cheerleader in the Hercules parade, uh, at the time. And, and then, um, I eventually moved away. My, my dad got a new job after I graduated from high school and life took me out to California where it was literally, I didn't want to win an Oscar. My, my, my dream as an actress was to be on the Disney channel. <laughs> That's what I wanted. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's life took me to California, but it still took me back to Disney. And I, I joked that eventually all roads for me lead back to Disney in some way or another. You know, I think working as a cast member 
for Disney, which I somewhat regrettably never did, is so incredibly valuable for the experience that you get there. Like it almost working as a cast member for, for Disney should almost be like a requirement for kids because of what you can learn about business and, and customer service and so many other things. What do you think was the best or most valuable lesson that you got from your time working at Walt Disney World? You know, I, I, I actually learned a very valuable lesson and, and pretty much right away. Um, and I, I actually talk about this in, um, in my book. I, so, you know, to me, Disney is just magical. It always has been. It's all about, you know, just making dreams come true. And, and it, it couldn't have lined up better that literally on my 16th birthday, I was, I was able to be hired. And then, um, you know, I, it was, it was my dream to be a dancer in the electrical light parade. Like that's all I wanted. And I I just thought like, it was just going to all happen for me. And, um, and then I quickly found out that you don't get to choose your role at Disney. (laughs) And so I get hired and it's not the job I wanted. And it wasn't at all, like not even close. And, um, and so it was a valuable lesson uh, because all of a sudden I was spending my weekends doing a job at Disney that, quite frankly, at the time I hated. And and I hate using the word hate, but I really, I really strongly disliked my job at Disney. <laughs> and you know, imagine being a little girl and that being your life's dream, and then you show up at the you know the happiest place on earth, and and you really dislike your job. I. It was a lesson in in not giving up and, you know, realizing that not everything is going to be perfect. Not everything is going to be exactly what you want. You're not always going to get what you want. And also a lesson in persistence. And, you know, eventually I I learned that um, if I stuck with it and if if I didn't give up, I could audition for, you know, other parades and and roles. And and I did. And uh, about a year later, so after doing a job at Disney that I did not want, um, I eventually became a cheerleader in the Hercules Parade. Um, but, uh, it was a very valuable lesson and I'm so, so grateful for it. And I'm, I'm grateful that my parents didn't let me give up and didn't let me quit. Well, I think one of the takeaways is, is sometimes, you know, it might not, you don't end up where you want, but you end up where you're supposed to be. And sometimes we don't know the reasons why until many, many years later, but you know, Ashley Eckstein, literally living the dream. You are Walt Disney world cast member. You end up getting a role in Star Wars Clone Wars as a new character, Ahsoka Tano. Again, the dream of many, many geeks around the world, you know, by the the millions. How and when does that come about for you? You know, it's so funny because that was a dream that... I didn't even know I could dream for or, or wish for. Um, you know, I was a kid of many dreams, and I trust me, I had plenty of them with with Disney. Um, but you know, by the time I'd moved to LA, uh, and and really, I was getting in the swing of things with acting. Um, the prequels were done. I mean, you know, George Lucas had pretty much said he had completed the Star Wars franchise, and you know, I didn't even think to wish to become 
a, a Star Wars character because I thought it was done and that chapter was closed for George Lucas. So when I, um, I got a call from my agent and it was the night before the audition and, you know, he told me that I, I had an audition the very next day to be the voice of Padme for this new Star Wars, um, cartoon. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my gosh, they're making Star Wars again? Wow, okay. And, you know, I'd been a lifelong Star Wars fan. Um, and so I was super excited until he told me that I was auditioning for Padme um, because I sound nothing like Natalie Portman. Absolutely nothing like her. And it was a very hard voice for me to mimic. So um, I, I almost didn't go to the audition, actually, after, you know, spending the evening really practicing hard and... Um, you know, I, I had several other auditions that day and they were running late and some of the very top voiceover actresses were auditioning for this. And I just was so discouraged. And my agent, you know, he, he told me, he said, no, I, I want you to go to the audition anyway. You never know what could happen. And sure enough, they were auditioning for this new character, um, that we didn't even know her name at the time because it was so top secret, but it was a 14 year old girl. And, um, I'm glad I went because sure enough, they said that I sounded nothing like Padme, exactly what I thought, <laughs> but they said that I might be right for this new 14 year old girl that, um, was super top secret. And, um, thankfully they stuck with me because, through that audition and the callback, they, they wanted Ahsoka to have an Icelandic accent, um, which I, you know, cannot do. And uh, even Dave Filoni didn't really know what that sounded like. He wanted more of a, he wanted Ahsoka to sound like Bjork and a true Icelandic accent um, sounds very Irish. And so I went in doing Irish and he wanted Bjork. And when, when I couldn't give him what he wanted, I, I, I did something that I never do. I spoke back to the director where I was like, you know, I told them, I was like, I'm sorry, I, I am doing Icelandic and I don't know what you want. <laughs> and by being a little snippy with him, which is very uncharacteristic of me, um, that's actually what he wanted for the role of Ahsoka. So I, I kind of booked the role just by being myself in between takes. Um, and, and that was back in 2006. And, um, little did I know that, that, and this was pre Disney buying star Wars. Um, so little did I know that, you know, that, that role and that character would change my life. Well, and I think that interaction is very easy, uh, very, very interesting because you're, you're working alongside master storytellers like Filoni and, and Pablo Hidalgo. So when it comes to, Ahsoka's personality and the way she carries herself, you know, she's such a strong character. Did you have any input in helping to define this is what I think Ahsoka would do? I, I don't think Ahsoka would say or act this way. Um, uh, yes, I, I've always had input in the way that I read the lines and the amount of attitude she has and humor she has and sarcasm. And, um, you know, Dave, Dave helped me or, or Dave allowed me to, um, you know, kind of bring my own personality to it and kind of help create this character from the beginning. I'm always careful to say, you know, I've, I've had nothing to do with the writing of 
the series, uh, you know, that all that credit goes to Dave and, you know, the amazing, you know, writing staff that he's had on Clone Wars and Rebels. Um, but, you know, I, and I always joke that you don't want the stories that I would write because they're, they're, they're not nearly <laughs> as good as what they would write. But, um, but it was very important to Dave that Ahsoka be snippy, but not bratty and, and not rude. And, um, and so he, you know, I was lucky. He, you know, felt that, um, you know, he allowed me to bring a lot of my own personality, uh, to the character. And so, yeah, I've always had a say in, um, and how Ahsoka is portrayed and especially, you know, Dave Filoni directs everything we do, um, in terms of the episodes and the series, but every now and then we'll, we'll go into like a video game record or a toy record and, and, you know, Dave Filoni doesn't always direct those. And I remember one time I walked into a, a, a record and they had Ahsoka saying, yee-haw. <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, no, no. Ahsoka would not say yee-haw. Um, and so I, I do, I am kind of like the Ahsoka police every now and then and making it true to character and true to the Star Wars universe. And, and I love that because... Uh you are able to make sure that the character integrity, you know, you are her. So you make sure that, that that character integrity is there. But like I said, you know, this is sort of a, this continuing trend of this dream coming true. You, you are able to not just look at Disney cast members. You're able to be Disney cast members. You're not able to watch the parade. You're able to be in the parade, not just able to watch star Wars. You're part of star Wars. And, and for so many of us who can't do that, the closest thing we can get to that is, is dressing up, right? Like our favorite characters or our favorite prince or princesses, just like you did when you, I, I read the book, I, just like you did when you were a little girl. Um, is that what makes you start her universe? Like, did this come out of a, a personal desire to do that? Was it frustration that there weren't enough, you know, quote unquote, geeky clothes for, for women? Yeah, you know, her universe started, um, honestly, uh, a bit selfishly, it started with um, a simple, you know, search for a t shirt made for me. Um, you know, I found myself immersed in the, you know, the Star Wars world. And I was going to conventions and San Diego Comic Con, and at the time, Disney Star Wars weekends, and I wanted Star Wars clothes made for me. And I I honestly thought they existed. I, I just went shopping and quickly came up empty handed. And so um, I, I knew that I wasn't alone. I knew that I wasn't the only female fan out there wanting merchandise. And so I started doing my research and found out that at the time it was uh, 45% of all sci-fi and um, fantasy fans were women and girls, and 85% of all consumer purchases were being made by women. And so I thought, you know, I'm not a mathematician, but these numbers aren't adding up. If you make us stuff, we will buy it. And I think, furthermore, the main reason I started Her Universe is, in my research, I found out that women and girls were being bullied, and being bullied terribly for you know, just being a girl and liking Star Wars because society had told us that Star Wars was for the men and the boys. And so um, what what started as a simple search for a t-shirt turned into a mission to really debunk a stereotype. 
and um, that was wrong, you know, a stereotype that just wasn't correct. And, you know, I, I, I write about in the book and it's true. I, I, I ask myself, you know, when I, when I found myself in front of and staring at a giant need, um, I had no clue how I was going to achieve it. No clue at all. I didn't know anything about making merchandise or starting a company or, or anything. I just, I looked at the need and I thought, what would Ahsoka do? And um, I literally asked myself, I said, what would Ahsoka do? And um, Ahsoka would stand up for fangirls and she would do what's right. And she would start making merchandise. Like I, I literally wanted to be a real life version of Ahsoka. And so that's what I did. Um, and you know, uh, eventually it was a, it was a long process because I didn't go about it the right way at first. Um, Lucasfilm actually told me no twice because I, I wasn't, you know, I didn't start my own company. I didn't apply for a license. And eventually once I did it the right way, they were incredibly supportive and, and gave me the license to make merchandise for female Star Wars fans. So I, I love that because, you know, we, we hear that you're making, you know, it's her universe. Obviously, it's for, for girls and women. But I think you help guys, too. I wish that her universe existed when I was younger because I was a guy seeking out women that also liked Star Wars and Disney. And we didn't know that they existed because, like you said, the, the shirts and the, the outfits weren't there. So you're not only helping women, you know, identify with what they like, but you're helping the men that are looking for someone that they want to, you know, meet and bond with that have that same sort of uh, geek fascination. So how do you go about choosing the designs for what franchise and what characters? I mean, are they to a certain degree, are they somewhat personal to you because obviously you you are a geek at heart? Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I mean, it was, I remember the day it was so overwhelming to, um, to figure out what designs to do. I mean, the Star Wars universe is huge. Where, where do you even start? And so I, I, I kind of set a rule and I set a standard for myself of, um, you know, I, I said, I won't make anything that I wouldn't buy myself, that I wouldn't spend my own hard earned money on myself. And then I also thought, you know what? I'm a fangirl. I'm making this company for me too. I'm going to design stuff that, that I want. And, um, and, you know, and then I also started asking my fellow fangirl friends and asking what they wanted. And, you know, all the designs are very personal. They have a story behind them. They have a meaning behind them. Um, and I, I still, to this day, I, I keep, um, I keep that same standard. If, if I wouldn't buy it myself, I'm, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to sell it. Um, so it's, it's, and that, that's how I choose the properties, you know, kind of moving forward. Um, you know, now I, I have more support. So for example, we are going to start doing some designs for gaming, for video games. And, you know, one of the reasons we haven't done that up to this point is, is I'll be honest, I'm, I'm really not a big gamer. And I, I feel like I don't understand the games because I, I always want to approach the merchandise and approach the property from a fan's point of view. And if, if I can't, like, if I'm not a fan of something, I feel like I'm not going to do the designs justice. And so um, now we have several people on our team that are, that are fans of these properties. And so, um, you know, they can come at it from an authentic point of view. Uh, so, yeah, so it's, it's exciting because we, we get to design for all sorts of properties. Yeah, because if you get it wrong, they'll let you know. <laughs> they, oh yeah, they will. I've been to enough, you know, comic cons and mega cons to know that if you get it wrong, they'll uh, they'll they'll be sure to let you know. But you know, I think 
from from all the things that you've been doing up to this point, you know, you've done so much for girls and and women in sci-fi fandom. And I have to imagine that you probably didn't realize at the outset that you were not just um, an inspiration, but a role model. And these girls are, are learning and taking away lessons from you because I think your story is, is so inspiring and, and so fascinating. I think not just for women, but for, for men alike as well. So how and when Ashley does everything that you've been experiencing on this journey start to plant the seed for you to turn this into something that's not on screen, that's not to wear, but something that people can read? You know, this actually started for me, kind of the seed was planted when um, I was on That's So Raven on the Disney Channel uh, because for me, it was very personal. I I was actually first inspired to be an actress um, as a young girl. I think I was seven years old at the time. And my neighbor was a cameraman on the Mickey Mouse Club. And he invited um, me to a live taping of the Mickey Mouse Club. And I sat in the audience and I just, I fell in love with it. And I knew right then and there that um, it became a dream of mine to eventually be an actress on the Disney channel. I wanted to be just like those Mouseketeers. And fast forward all those years later when um, I got to be on That's a Raven and it was, we would tape it in front of a live audience. And at the end of the show, you come out and you do the curtain call. And I saw all those young girls in this, in the audience, in the stands, um, looking at me like, I once looked at the Mouseketeers and I thought, oh my gosh, like, especially children's programming, you have an opportunity. Like, it's not just a live taping. It's not just an entertainment thing for them. Like, it was a dream for me. And it going to that live taping literally changed my life. And so I realized I, it, it was a responsibility. As an actress, especially the young fans, it became a responsibility. And um, I, I... I will not put my, I, I can't sleep easy at night and, and put my head on the pillow, um, knowing that I didn't do everything to, you know, be a positive influence, um, you know, that day with, with the platform I'm being given. Like, I think one of the worst things you can do is lead a kid astray. And so, um, so, you know, then it became a mission for me to use entertainment and to use, um, the platform I'm being given for good and, and, Little did I know that, you know, I was about to become the voice of Ahsoka Tano and, you know, be the the voice of this character that represents so much good to people all all over the world. So now fast forward to this book, um, you know, I, I actually met the Disney Publishing Group because of Ahsoka. Um, I had the honor of doing, of narrating the audio book written by E.K. Johnston for Ahsoka and, um it, it, you know, we went on tour and the book did really well. And so I followed up with Disney um, and we just were brainstorming about what more we could do together. And somebody asked me if I would write my autobiography or write my memoir. And, you know, I told them, I said, look, I, I don't feel that I've lived enough of a life or achieved enough to write a memoir. Um, I said, but I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you guys today if it weren't for the influence and the inspiration of Disney. You know, Disney taught me to, 
to dream it and do it. Disney taught me how to make my dreams come true. So I said, if you would let me, um, I said, the book I would write would be more of an advice book and an inspirational book on, I would tell my story, but it would be more as a, like a, a how to. So here's how I did it. Um, here's what I learned from it. Here's the Disney characters that, that inspired me to do it. And here's how you can do it too. And so, um, surprisingly they said, yes. <laughs> so, you know, um, the book it's called, it's your universe. You have the power to make it happen. And it breaks making your dreams come true down into steps. Um, and it provides a roadmap on how to dream it and do it. So it starts with a dream and then a wish, and then you believe, then you do, then you transform and then you have to trust you, you, you've put in all the work. You just have to trust in the process and trust that, um, you know, the dreams that you wish can and do come true. You know, I, I love, as I went through the book, um, when you sent it to me, first of all, I, I love the way it's laid out. I love the structure and I love the chapters. I love that it's, it's fun and, and whimsical as well, which I think helps in, in its readability, but it, it very much comes through in your own words and your own voice. And what I like about it too, Ashley, is it's not just something to consume. You you made the book, I guess, as a very deliberate choice. You made it interactive, you know, with, with exercises and journal entries, which makes me think that you probably, as a little girl growing up, you probably had a little journal that you wrote in. How and why was that important that it's not just, you know, something to read through, but that you wanted to become an exercise for, for people that read it as well? Yeah, thank you for asking that because that part was very important to me. Um, you know, I did. I, I I wasn't very good at keeping a diary growing up. I I would like write in a diary for like a week and then you know forget about it. Um, but I always had a journal, and um, my journal looked like a hot mess. You know, it was <laughs> it was you know a compilation of sketches and quotes and to do lists and you know um, ideas. And, uh, but it, that's what worked for me. And so, um, I had an endless amount of journals and so that's what I wanted this to be. And it's funny, I, I have a habit of, of doing things that, um, that haven't really been done before. <laughs> and so, um, you know, when they were in, in, I'm learning in publishing, there's, uh, there's like different, uh, categories and, they actually told me, um, when I said I wanted it to be a journal and I wanted space for writing in the book that I wanted it to be interactive. Um, you know, they told me, they said, well, you know, in, in self-help books like this, you know, we normally don't put space for writing. They said, then that book would be in the journal section. And we don't see this in the journal section. We see this in the, in the advice section. And I, and at first they wanted to take it out. And I said, absolutely not. That, not that there's sections. Not that anybody actually goes to bookstores anymore than there's sections. It's you know, we just yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And and I literally, I, I I said absolutely not. I said we are going to keep these journal prompts in there. And and you know, I, I just I I guess I have a habit of breaking the rules. I, you know, blame it on this. You know, Ahsoka, I guess. <laughs> but um, I uh, yeah, that part was very very important to me that you know that this be like a like almost a, a 
a workbook, a, a textbook kind of where you read it. And then, you know, right there, like right after you finish a, a chapter, you're writing down, you know, the six impossible things that you're believing in today. Um, because, you know, I, I want this to be an interactive experience because like I said, it's, it's not my story. I share my story, but by the end of the book, this should be the reader's story. That should be the reader's roadmap and guide on, on how to make their dreams come true. Well, and I love the fact that you not only integrate your own personal stories, which makes it very relatable, but you show how, you know, Jedi's like Ahsoka and superheroes and princesses helped also and continue to help act as role models for people that are, you know, trying to figure out their own path uh, along the way. And one of the things I, I loved about the book and, and really struck me was the way you headed certain sections about expecting challenges and accepting challenges, stop taking stop stock and breathing. And one thing really hit me because it's something that I use when I speak and when I mentor people all the time, which is, you know, what is your why? You know, some sometimes yeah. we're so busy figuring out the hows and, and the goals. We, we don't stop to figure out what what's the why and how important that really is. Yeah, that was a lesson that I learned, you know, several years into the process of her universe. And, you know, I'm so thankful if people know Star Wars, they may know Lynn Hale. Um, Lynn heads up, you know, communications for NPR for Lucasfilm, and she's become a good friend. And um, I have to be honest, I was really burnt out uh, with, with, you know, working so hard on her universe. I had worked, you know, three, almost four years nonstop seven days a week. Um, and you know, no breaks at all. And even though I love, love, love what I do, um, you know, anybody when they work that hard and, and, and go so fast, it's, you can easily get burnt out. And she just asked me, she had actually just met Simon Sinek uh, in his book and read his book, start with why. And, and she said, and she shared with me his message and, you know, she said, um, Ashley, what's your why? And it really caused me to stop and think. And I was, you know, I was so consumed with this t-shirt design and why is this order late? And it was all about the product. And I, I was losing sight of the mission and the mission was creating a safe and positive community for fangirls and, and fans alike to, you know, to create a community where we could one day, and, and I feel like, you know, we're, we're, we're quickly approaching this day where we're no longer talking about gender, um, when it comes to star Wars, where we're just saying, you know what, star Wars is for everyone. And, um, you know, it's not just for men, it's not just for women, it's for everyone. And I was really losing sight of that. Why? And, you know, I'm so thankful to Lynn and, and, you know, for her just being honest with me. Um, and, and, you know, that's why I think it's very important. And that's actually in the transform chapter, because, you know, you get to the point where sure you can, you can make your dream come true or get the opportunity, but, but then you have to transform it into a reality or to keep it going. And that, that was the moment for me where I, I realized that's, that's, that's what was able to take her universe as an idea to, a full-fledged community to, to actually transform it into what it is today. 
Well, and I think sort of as a reciprocal to what you talked about, about, you know, fandom not just being for boys and guys. I think this book, so people understand, while it does take a lot of inspiration, obviously, from your story and and characters like Belle and Tiana and Pocahontas and Mulan, strong female characters, this is not necessarily a book that, as I was reading it, I felt, well, this isn't for me, this is for girls, because I think there's a ton of... Um, not just interesting stories, but value and lessons that boys, girls, men, women can get at from it at any age. Yeah, I mean, thank you actually for saying that because that is important to me. Um, when I get the chance, I am kind of sharing that because, as we know, and especially you know, this is why I was so excited to talk to you. If you're a Disney fan, you know Disney is ageless. It's timeless. It's genderless. These are messages that Walt Disney, um, you know, felt that, you know, was for everyone. And, you know, as I, as I mentioned, you know, in, in publishing, I'm learning it's, you know, they, they like to put things in different categories of like, okay, well, this book is aimed towards teens or this book is aimed towards girls. Um, so I get that. And I get that, you know, my story is about starting her universe, which is, you know, heavily female. That being said, it's important to me to, to share that this book is for everyone. I, I think dreaming is, you know, not only genderless, but I, I keep saying it's, it's ageless. I'm going to dream until the day I die. Um, literally I will continue to look up in the sky and make dreams and wishes upon stars. And I think no matter what your age or your gender, you know, I hope the world of Disney, you know, will always bring inspiration, um, you know, to everyone. And look, it doesn't matter if the quotes that you put in the book you know, are from a female character or from a male character. They're they're strong and they're inspiring no matter what. And that's exactly how I felt. Look, I, I put quotes on Twitter and Facebook all the time and I don't say, well, this is a this is a guy quote. It doesn't matter where they're coming from. And that's how I felt as I was reading the book. And as somebody oh, who has you. as somebody who's written a book before, I I can understand and appreciate what a huge undertaking this must be right you have to sort of get your ideas down on paper or computer the structure the layout the editors and the editing but i i think it's true correct me if i'm wrong that we approach projects like this the same way we don't start off by sitting down with a blank piece of paper we start off with a trip to the grocery store and we load up on our superfoods to uh, to get us moving <laughs> I, I believe this is true, and I have a feeling that some of the foods that you incorporated into the writing process are ones that are not just for little kids, but ones that, that I did as well. Uh, yes, absolutely. So I actually have to to say that the fact that this book exists is a testament that anything is possible because um, writing a book is something I said I would never do. I, and I was okay with that because I, I honestly didn't think that I had the talent to do it. Um, whenever I would start out writing something, I'd, I'd end up, I'd have full intentions of writing a book and then I'd end up with an essay. And, um, so I just thought that it wasn't in the cards for me and then that was okay. Uh, so when I was having this conversation with Disney and, um, they, they said yes, surprisingly to my, my pitch to them, um, I, I said, okay, well, there's one problem. 
I, I can't write this. <laughs> and they said, uh, they said, Oh no, 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 don't worry. We'll, we'll pair you with an author and you know, you can, you can talk with her and she'll actually do the writing. And so they paired me with Stacy Kravitz and she's an amazing author. And I, I highly recommend checking out some of her other books. She's written several kind of girl empowerment books and, and she's, she's awesome. Um, so we spoke for about two months and, um, after two months, she came back to me with, um, you know, she's with kind of several bullet points and she said, okay, I've been listening to you talk for two months. Here's what you're trying to say. And that's where she was like, it, it, it appears to me that you're breaking, making your dreams come true down into steps. And, um, so she helped me come up with literally the, 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 chapter outlines and, um, or, or just the names of the chapters, like the, the steps. And then she gave me a rough draft of what she had written. And while it was, it was excellent. I mean, what, you know, like I said, she's an amazing author, but what I quickly realized is it was so far from my voice. It was not as though I was sharing my story. And I, I had a moment of panic. I literally <laughs> panicked and I was like, oh my gosh, if I want this book in my voice, I'm going to have to write it myself. And, um, that's literally what happened. I, I had five days at this point before the first draft was due. And I locked myself in my apartment <laughs> and I, um, I literally, I, I got a bunch of Oreos <laughs> And I, I took a nap first. I took a long three hour nap because I had to calm myself down. And then I woke up and I just started writing and literally wrote and wrote and wrote for five days straight. And, um, I, I, I got about two thirds of the book written after five days. I turned it into the editor. She gave some amazing notes. And at that point, I'd written like 21,000 words, which is more than I ever thought I'd write in my life. And, you know, she gave me some great notes and she said I needed to add, you know, about 10,000 more words, which at that point was nothing. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, I had already, you know, written, written twice that. And, um, and then I did, I had about two more weeks to finish the book after that. And, um, and I did, and I, I had so much fun and, I, it, it, it was an amazing lesson for me because I realized that I was capable of doing something that I said I would never do. And so, um, so yeah, I, I can safely say I'm no Shakespeare and it is not a, a long or, or heavy read, but, um, but I did, I, I, I wrote a book, <laughs> so anything's possible. And, and I, and I think, you know, part of the takeaway is if, if you want to undertake a project like this, where it's writing a book or doing a blog or, or whatever that living that dream is, you need to not just dream like a, you know, an unbridled little kid, but you need to eat like one too. So you, you know, your, <laughs> your, your, your menu and your diet during that time was not kale and protein powder. It was Oreos and Chef Boyardee and Cinnamon Toast Crunch yes. and Lucky Charms, right? It it was. It was. I, I don't know what it was, but I like went back to my childhood and I, I literally did. I got Chef Boyardee, um, Cinnamon Toast Crutch, Lucky Charms and Oreos and and locked myself in my apartment. And that's literally what I ate all weekend long. And and actually, when I first got the book deal, um, before I even you know started chatting with Stacy, I went by myself to Disneyland because um, I split my time between I actually my home is, is Orlando, um, still, but I work in California. So, um, I joke that I always have to be within, you know, a, a 30 minute drive of, of a Disney park at all times. But, um, 
I, uh, I, I actually went and stayed at Disneyland by myself at the Disneyland hotel, um, for the weekend and just walked around the park and observed. And I watched kids and families and I, I really immersed myself into Disney. And I was like, what, what would I have wanted? you know, especially as a young girl, what book would I have wanted? What lesson should, you know, should I tell? And I remember I, I look like a hot mess. I, um, I was walking around the park, just crying, just crying because it, it just brought, I was so grateful and I, you know, just to the world of Disney and what it's meant to me and, and the opportunities it's given me. And, um, I remember sitting by myself, you know, watching the electrical light parade, um, and just, you know, making notes in my hat. I had my journal while sitting on main street and, um, you know, so yes, yeah, so I definitely immersed myself in the process. And at that time when I was sitting on main street, I think I had a churro in one hand, a hot chocolate in the other hand. <laughs> so yes, all, all the, all the magical foods. I love it. And look, you know, and everything that you've done and I, and I, and I love how you've been able to bring it all together in this, in this book, in this way, you know, I really think Ashley, you, you've helped to usher in a, a new generation, not just of, of Star Wars fans, but geekdom fans and heroes and heroines. I think Ahsoka, the character herself was so inspirational. You know, she literally put lightsabers into little girl's hands and you can't sort of understate the importance of that. And now I think because of her, you've got Ray and Jin and, you know, look, superhero characters like Black Widow are so incredibly popular. And I think there's so many more to come. And I think that you really did have a huge hand in that. You know, as you sort of look back at your life and look look forward you know, what, what do you want the legacy of Ashley to be? You know, I've, I've, I'm kind of using the phrase dream warrior. And to me, a dream warrior is somebody who fiercely goes out there and, and makes dreams come true, whether they're yours or whether they're somebody else's. And so my dream now is that I can be a dream warrior and help make other people's dreams come true. Like that's what fuels me. That's my why. That's my passion now is, um, I want to be a dream warrior. And, you know, to me, I loved Mulan and I just love, you know, that she was just a warrior, that she was so fierce. And, and so, um, that, that's, that's my new dream as, as, you know, Rapunzel, you know, uh, and, and Eugene Fitzherbert, as they say, you know, that's, that's my new dream. And, um, you know, I'm asking people to be a dream warrior with me. I think, you know, that this book, it's, it's, it's not me. I mean, I, I'll tell you, my husband and I are personally donating just like, we're, we're, we're donating hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books to, to kids, um, in, in need and, and kids that need this, this, this messaging. And I'm asking people to be a dream warrior with me to, to pay it forward because especially as adults, while I think these messages with these lessons in the book are like we said, ageless, that we should all learn, you know, and, and read about these, um, lessons and messages, you know, literally until the day we die. But I think kids, it's easy to forget that, they need to be taught. They need to be taught how to dream it and then do it. Because I think we take for granted, they don't always know the first step on how to make their dreams come true. So 
I'm asking that if you know a kid that's graduating middle school or high school or college or, you know, or just a, a young kid on their journey to start making their dreams come true, I'm, I'm asking to, you know, pass this book on to them um, and be a dream warrior with me. Cause I think, you know, if we can, if we can help make dreams come true, it's going to be a, a much better world that we live in. And that is just one of the many reasons why I, I love and admire and appreciate and wanted you to come on because of, because of that message, because of, of that, that good that you want to do in the world. And, and you know, something else that, that I've always loved that I just saw recently is how you are with your fans at signings and meet and greets. Uh, I even saw you, and this is going to sound way creepier than it is. I saw you at Galactic Nights a couple of nights ago. I was looking through oh. the window of Sunset Club Couture, like you know, like like a weird stalker from the outside. But I was watching as it really it's really not that creepy. But I was watching to see the dynamic of. You with your fans, and, and actually I've seen this at D23, I've seen this at other um, comic conventions, you talk with fans like they are the only ones in the room. You look them in the eye, you give them such personal and authentic attention, which is a huge differentiator, and I think that's part of the reason why you are loved and admired so much, not just by the fans of Ahsoka Tano, and the fans of her universe, um, but the the fans of Ash Eckstein and and why they love and appreciate the way they do, and why I do as well. Oh, thank thank you so much, Lou. I, you know that that really goes back to my parents. My parents instilled um, in me as a young girl that you treat others as you want to be treated. And um, I actually once went to an autograph signing uh, where I I waited for three hours and. Um, the the people kind of signing signing uh, my autograph didn't even look up at me and um i i remember walking away feeling so disheartened i was like wow i just waited 3 hours and they couldn't even look at me and i remember that feeling and and i said you know if i ever am in the position where somebody's willing to wait for my autograph i will never do that to somebody and um it's so important to me that you know that I get to know each and every person and everyone's become, you know, friends at this point. I, I genuinely look forward to meeting new people and, and building friendships. So, um, you know, thank you for saying that. And thank you. You're not a creepy stalker at all. <laughs> I, I, you know, I enjoy our friendship and I'm getting to, you know, to know you over the years. And if anything, I'm the creepy stalker because <laughs> I follow you on Instagram and I am so impressed and inspired by you and and everything you're doing and all of your inspirational talks. And I just, you know, congratulations on all of your success and, and you inspire me. So keep up the amazing work. Oh, that means more to me. And I'm just going to play that on a loop whenever I'm, whenever I feel down about myself, <laughs> uh, what you said. Um, listen, I, I cannot thank you. I could talk to you all day, all night. Um, and we still have to do, we're, we're foodies. We still have to do our cupcake tour of Walt Disney yeah. World. It, it's a decade in the making, but we are going to make that happen. Uh, just tell everybody where they can find all of the Her Universe stuff, uh, as well as the new book. 
well, you can find her universe um, at heruniverse.com. Uh, we're also available on Shop Disney and at the Disney Parks and the Disney Parks app. Um, or, um, you know, Hot Topic carries a lot of our stuff and Box Lunch Gifts carries a lot. Um, but the book is also available wherever books are sold. So you can get it um, at Barnes & Noble or at Amazon or, you know, uh, your independent bookstore. Um, so pretty much anywhere where books are sold, you can get the book or they can order it for you. Uh, and then also online on social media. It's pretty much, you know, just me and a very small team of people. But usually you'll find you're just talking to me <laughs> on social media, on Instagram, at Her Universe, Twitter, at Her Universe, or Facebook, the Her Universe official fan page. <laughs> the Her Universe official fan page. <laughs> Well, listen, you had the power, you made it happen, and it's your universe. We're just living in it. Um, thank you so, so much, and congratulations again on your incredible journey and your incredible success, and I hope it only gets bigger and better for you every day. Thank you so much, Lou. Thank you so much for your time. Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week. I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history, or I want to see how well you pay attention to the details, sometimes in what you see, sometimes what you hear, possibly in what you eat. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week I took you to not just one of my favorite lands, but still one of my favorite classic attractions in Walt Disney World, which is Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress. It's all about progress. It's also about looking back at the past with a sense of nostalgia, sometimes a little bit of wonder, sometimes a little bit of laughter. And your question last week was to tell me, how long does it take poor Sarah to do the wash in Carousel of Progress? Well, thank you again to the hundreds of you who entered, got this one correct, and knew that in the first act, in spring, John, her husband, tells you that the Robins are back. It's just around the turn of the century, and of course, things can't get any better than they are today. They've got the gas lamps and the new telephone and all the latest designs in cast iron stove. And in fact, the reservoir keeps five gallons of water hot all day on just three buckets of coal. Of course, while John's in the kitchen talking to you, Sarah is inside enjoying her new wash day marvel, because now it takes only five hours to do the wash. Imagine. Now Mother has time for recreations like canning, polishing the stove. Yeah, John, if I was you, I'd get up and go help her. Anyway, thanks to all of you who entered and got this one correct. Again, last week you were playing for my 102 Ways to Save Money for an at Walt Disney World book. All seven of my virtual audio walking tours of the Magic Kingdom all of which, by the way, are still on sale for just $10. If you go to shop.wwradio.com, you're also going to get a WW Radio Magic Band cover, some stickers, a pop socket for your phone, and a shirt from our collection over at wwradio.com slash shirts. There, we have everything from a wide variety of WW Radio logo shirts, Lucent Me shirts, as well as unique Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, Retro Geek, and lots more. Again, go to www.radio.com slash shirts to find out more. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is M. Sakura. So, M, congratulations. I have your shirt size because you, you did use the online form. 
But if you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So we know that Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is opening in 2019, where we finally get to step into and live in the world of Star Wars, not to mention the hotel that's coming as well. And we recently learned more about this huge, immersive land, including the name of the village itself. During this panel discussion this past weekend during Star Wars Galactic Nights at Disney's Hollywood Studios that I live-streamed on Sunday, story editor Margaret Carrison revealed the name of the village in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And that's your question this week. Tell me the name of the village in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in Walt Disney World and Disneyland. Now, because the show was a little bit late this week, and I have my Momentum Weekend Retreat coming up this weekend. I'm going to give you until Sunday, June 10th. I'm going to give you a little bit of extra time to answer this simple question. And I'm also this week going to give you a new prize that I've never given away before. I have some new WW Radio vinyl stickers. You can put them on your car, your laptop, your wall, your mirror, wherever you choose. These are not available anywhere else except as a prize. So if you know the answer to this week's trivia question, or just go look it up, you can go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast. There you'll find the online entry form. Give me your name, your shipping address, and if you're a winner, I'll send you out your vinyl sticker. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you again so very much for taking the time to tune in. I sincerely appreciate you spending and sharing your time with me. I'd love to keep the conversations going. More importantly, I want to invite you to be part of our WW Radio family and community. If you go to www.radio.com slash community, you can be part of our Box People Facebook group. Come on by, introduce yourself, make yourself at home, because that's exactly how I and we want you to feel there, and start and be part of some of the conversations that are happening there. Speaking of family, I want to thank and welcome all of the new members of the WW Radio Nation who joined the hundreds of you who are part of that community, including some longtime and new members like Noemi Fixmer, Michaela Jane Roy, Benjamin J. Bobier, Chris Payne, Herschel Linney, and Christine Tildesley Morrison. Thank you guys so very much for the love, the friendship, and support. And if you want to be part of the nation, not only to help the show, but get exclusive rewards every month, I create new scavenger hunts. We have a private Facebook group there, personalized magic band covers, logo gear, care packages from Walt Disney World. We do monthly live video group calls. You also get early access to special events and lots more. Again, to find out more, go to www.radio.com slash support. And don't forget that a portion of your contribution does go to our Dream Team project to directly benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. If you have a question you want me to answer on the show, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com, or call the voicemail I'll be heard on the air at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WW1. You can also connect with me on social. I am at Lou Mangello on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. And of course, as much as I love chatting with you online, I still believe that nothing beats a handshake and a hug. That's why I continue to do Meets of the Month every month. I want to thank everybody 
so many of you who came out to the Art Smith's Homecoming Shine Party this past Saturday in Disney Springs. Really had a good time. We literally closed the place down. I don't remember being out till 2 o'clock in the morning in a long, long time. I am still trying to work on a June meet of the month in Walt Disney World. I've got my retreat this weekend. The cruise coming up right after, but I'm going to try and put something together. Speaking of our cruise to Alaska... That's going to be from June 18th through the 25th. Make sure you turn on notifications on the Box People group or the WW Radio page as I'll be going live whenever and wherever and as often as I can. I mentioned my Momentum Weekend Retreat is this weekend. My Momentum Workshop Weekend is October 6th through the 9th in Walt Disney World. Limited to just 50 people. If you are looking to turn what you love into what you do, I invite you to join a small group of dedicated, like-minded entrepreneurs and some speakers. I have an announcement coming very, very... You're going to be very excited, I think. <laughs> some uh, speakers for the event. Again, go to lumangelo.com slash momentum to find out more and feel free to message or email me if you have any questions. Thanks, as always, to Becky Mankin and the entire team over at Mouse Fan Travel. Whether you're coming with us for a group event to any of the Disney destinations or you want to travel anywhere on the planet, they can help you out with the best prices, all available discounts, and all at no cost to you. And go to celebrationspress.com and subscribe and order back issues to Celebrations Magazine. And as always, my friend, and you, you are my friend. Whether we have met yet or not, you continue to show it to me in so many ways, and I am incredibly and sincerely grateful to and for you. All I ask, though, is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. I want you to let your friends know about it by tweeting out that you're listening to this or your favorite back episode. Share a link on Facebook, and please, if you can, take 30 seconds to rate and review the show over on iTunes. Thanks to you. We have more than 1,500 five-star reviews. We'd love for you to keep them coming. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Carman761 said, who says, Lou may not know everything about Walt Disney World, but he knows those who do. It's the best podcast about Disney. Lou's love for Disney oozes in every show. He lives to share his passion and truly cares for his listeners. A true joy to listen to. The show will feed your Walt Disney World addiction and keep you coming back for more. And Nestor says, I wish I could give it more stars. I found this podcast while trying to fill the dark times between trips to Disney World. Since finding the podcast about a year ago, I'm nearly through all 500 plus, wow, episodes and have loved every single minute. My knowledge and love of Disney has grown exponentially thanks to Lou, who truly does feel like a friend, whether we've met yet or not. Come for the content, stay for the inspiration and food recommendations and keep moving forward. My personal favorite segments to check out are anything Jim Corcus, who generously shares his vast Disney knowledge, top 10, Wayback Machine, and of course, Q&As with Becky. Start with a good mix of those, and I promise you will be hooked. Well, Carman and Nessler, thank you and everybody else so, so very much. If you want to rate and review the show, you can just search for WW Radio on iTunes or go to www.radio.com slash iTunes. And finally, again, and most importantly, thanks to Ashley Eckstein. Thanks to you. You fill my cup. You fill my heart. You have given me the, the this incredible gift that you might not realize that you give just with your time and your love and your attention and maybe appropriately enough you know i want to leave you with something from ashley from her new book where she says first of all don't let anyone tell you no you can't and if you don't mind please allow me to be the person to tell you yes you can 
I, I love her positivity. I love her attitude. I love Ashley Eckstein. I want to thank her. I want to thank you all again. I love you. And I don't say that lightly. And I appreciate you. And I really do hope that this is your best day, your best week ever. So until next time, see ya. Hi, Lou. This is Caroline Percy from New York City, um, where it's very cold, and I wish I was in shorts in Orlando, Florida right now. Um, but I moved here about six months ago after I finished my um, Disney College program, the alumni session over the summer. Um, so I kind of joke with people that I literally went from my job description being to wave to strangers and smile and say, have a magical day, to getting on the subway here and, like, reminding myself not to smile at strangers. Um, but anyway, I really loved your last podcast, and I love all of them, but the emotional response one really got me thinking about everything, um, and I just really felt inclined to share. Um, I think mine's kind of twofold because one comes from a cast member side. I also did a college program spring of 2016, um, and then also as a guest. Um, but my first one being my first program, um, I was in the Bippity Boppy Boutique as a fairy godmother in training actually at Disney Springs. Um, and the second time I was actually doing merchandise in the boutique in Magic Kingdom, working in Cinderella's Castle, um, which was the most magical thing ever. And I loved every second of it. Um, but there was something so incredibly emotional and magical about transforming little girls ages 3 to 12 years old um, in that moment when you turned them around and told them to open their eyes and seeing the look on their face when they saw themselves with their hair all done and their makeup on and everything, um, that reaction and some of their faces are something I will never forget. Um, I remember having little girls saying, like literally gasping and saying, I'm so beautiful. And, you know, back on the chair behind them is mom and grandma and sometimes dad cheering up or crying and telling you how important this trip is to them and how she's dealt with self-image issues and you'll never know what this means to her. I mean, there's so many countless stories that I have that I'll never be able to put into words, but um, just the idea, like you guys mentioned, that um, when you're there, you feel like anything is possible. Everyone feels like their best selves, and that was really incredible to be able to transform little girls every day. Um, but my second part would be being as a guest. Like I mentioned, I had just graduated um, college when I went down to do my second college program. Um, so as you can imagine, all of my friends were like, when are you going to get a real job, um, and why are you moving back down to Disney World? Um, and I kind of struggled with it internally, too and trying to figure out, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I supposed to be going off and, you know, using my interior design degree that I just paid all this money for? Um, and there was a lot of internal debate. Um, but every day after I finished my shift, I would stay and go watch Happily Ever After. Um, and, of course, we'll all love Wishes Forever, but I'm a huge fan of Happily Ever After. Um, there was something about when the Hercules song comes on, and when he says, um, or the woman singer, when she says, I'm where I'm meant to be, that hit me in my gut every single time. There was some kind of sigh of relief, me knowing. Hi, Lewis. Caroline, again, I really didn't realize I was talking for so long, and I really appreciate it. I'll try to wrap this up. I am sorry. Um, but I was just going to say, um, there was something about hearing that Hercules song and knowing that I was where I was meant to be. Something about that felt so right. Just being in the park, knowing that I'd spent all day making people's trips magical, um, having a small part in making that magic. It just, everything felt right in that moment. Um, and then right after it, knowing that I was moving to New York and taking this huge step in my life um, in the beginning when there's that voice just saying, everyone has a dream. Those that are brave enough to go after it and to pursue it 
to find out who they're meant to be. I mean, every time I would get chills or just start bawling, crying, because um, I didn't know where my life was going to go, and I didn't know what I'd be doing yet. So I was moving up to New York without a job. Um, I'm happy to report that I do have a job now that I'm very happy about, but um, obviously I miss every day. This is me every day. Anyway, thank you so much for your podcast. I listen to it every single day on my cold commute to work and home, um, and it brightens my day, and it makes me so happy. So thank you again. Sorry for rambling. Um, keep doing what you're doing, Lou. You make us all um, a lot happier. Okay. Have a great day. Bye. Hello, Lou Mangello. It's Brian Rainey. I'm from Kansas City. Um, back again. Now I have an annual pass, and it's about to expire next month. So I just wanted to get one more trip in on it before it expires. But you know, I'm real fortunate to be able to come back here. But, hey, it's nice. The weather's hot, and it's bright and sunny. And let's see. I don't know if you were the one that was talking about the, the corn on the cob in Animal Kingdom, but I finally found it. There's some corn on the cob in Harambe Village, and it's a, it's a real winner. So it's it's awesome, and you were right on that one. I highly recommend it. But anyway, I'm just sitting right here in front of Kilimanjaro Safari. I got a fast pass. I'm about to go into that. And I left property today for a little bit, and I went to Gatorland. I've always wanted to go there, and it was it was it was an awesome time. They have like 2,000 gators just out and about. But anyway, got one more day, and I'll probably call you tomorrow. See ya. Hi, Lamarjola. Um. I'm Sullivan and I'm six years old and um my favorite building is the uh, um journey into imagination with Figment. Hello, Lou Mangello, WDW Radio, Fox Family, it's Darlene Nagy from West Seneca, New York, currently calling in from the International Gateway of Epcot. I'm hoping you guys are having a magical time, because I know I sure am. I am on my birthday trip in Walt Disney World. Today is our last day here, sadly, but I only have 125 days until I come back, so I'm very excited about that with the Sternbergs and Keith. And then you guys, the group that's going to Alaska on the Wonder is coming up to a 22-day countdown. Woohoo! Get ready for all the activities and fun adventures and beaches and Venice's wedding. Have a great day, magical time, love hugs. I'm so glad I got to meet up with everybody that I did down here. Sorry I missed you, Lou, but there's always next time. See you real soon. You go.